Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. This with the Western Conference Finals. Instead, st- instead of starting with somebody who got fired, why don't we start with somebody who's still in it? Somebody who's still playing. Why don't we start with the Car Flag Nation? Why don't we start with Mile High Country? Man, I love that matchup. Love the Western Conference Finals matchup. And it gets underway this evening. Seriously, the fans deserve this. The fans have earned this. The fans fought their collective asses off for this. The fans had to suffer through 82 regular season games, all of the load management bullcrap, all of the bad officiating, all the nut taps, all the off-court drama. Thank you, Alvin. I said nut taps. Thank you, Alvin. Did I mention all the nut taps? So this is their reward. They earned it. Great matchup. A couple of heavyweights with a trip to the finals on the line. You can't ask for much better. I mean, what we have here is the team that has been the most dominant team in the West all season long and throughout the postseason, facing off against maybe the best team in the West since the All-Star break with the highest-rated defense in the playoffs. And we know the Alphas are going to be out there for this series, provided they could stay on the court. No names mentioned, Anthony Davis. The Alphas, though, will be out. What's good, AD? AD, LeBron. In that order, by the way. AD, LeBron. Jokic. Jamal Murray, Darvin Ham, even, v. Michael Malone. Love me some Michael Malone. What I'm talking about here is a conference finals that is Goliath v. Goliath. Let's be very clear about this. This is what this is. This is not your typical 1 v. 7 seed. That's not what that is. Don't get that twisted. Because once again, since the All-Star break, the purple and gold Titanic has risen into the purple and gold Boeing 747. Rising high as hell in the sky with the best record in the West thanks to the ultimate roster makeover by Rob Palenka. Rob Palenka. Car Flag Nation fired up and peaking after getting rid of the Warriors. I mean, I got home from Wisco Sunday night. As soon as I landed... Walking out of the airport, there was nothing, nothing but purple and gold car flags flapping in the wind. All that stands between Car Flag Nation and a shot at yet another banner is the team that has been the most dominant team in the West and led by their two-time MVP and right now the best player in the world. I mean, that's not some crazy over-the-top hot take. The Joker is the best player in the world right now. Very bad man. A bad man coming off averaging a 30-point triple-double in the second round. The bad man that has taken this postseason by the NAD and has shut up all the critics, all the haters, all the naysayers, the question whether or not this guy could perform in the postseason and make a legitimate deep run outside the bubble. I mean, such a bad take anyway. Such a bad take anyway. The guy already had a couple of MVPs and could have very easily gone back to back to back. I mean, yeah, I was the one who said that Joel deserved to win it. I wouldn't take that back. He did. But I would not have had any issue whatsoever with the Joker going back to back to back. So this is all to say, Car Flag Nation, 
I know I am bumping amongst all of you, but I want to warn you again, the next four are going to be the hardest four, especially with home court advantage up in the rarefied air. You know that air hits differently. We know the energy. We know the Nugs home crowd and the energy and hostility they bring. It's going to be an all-out brawl. Should very well be a 12-round all-out brawl. Haymakers the whole time. Probably will go to the distance. And one more thing about the Joker. I want to go back to that for a minute. I want to go back to the Joker and all those idiotic takes, the moronic takes on this guy. I mean, was it me or did some idiot hot takers finally, finally give this guy the proper respect that he had long ago earned after the Nuggets beat the Suns? You know, the dude that most people listening, most rational people watching already knew was a generational offensive basketball talent. A one-of-one point center, if you will. Something that arguably the game has never seen. And he finally gets the takers to give him some bleeping credit. I mean, for real. Anyway, I know takers. I know your deal. If this guy does not repeat that same 30, damn near 12, and almost 10 then he's just garbage. garbage. He's just crap. I know how it works. The hell with that guy putting up five bleeping triple doubles in the first two rounds. He's ass again if the Nuggets lose. I know how you roll. I know how you work. It's just not my deal. I'm not doing it. I'm not looking for cheap clicks. Man, I'm just looking at what I see. And what I see is a generational talent. I don't see ass. Nothing improved to me. I already saw it. I already believed it. This guy's incredible. And he's gone next level. Clones, let me be honest. Let me be honest. And I don't want this... I'm talking about you Laker clones, by the way. I don't want this rushing to your heads. But in terms of the matchup itself, it's almost too close to call. It's a coin flip. I'll be straight. I'm going to bet this series. Because I bet all the series. But I've not yet gotten down. I haven't bet it yet. It's that close to me. I think it comes down to this. If Anthony Davis is on the floor all series and is actually Anthony Davis, even more importantly, Anthony Davis on both ends, then I think the Lakers win this series. I do. If AD, however, is every other day AD, then they lose. Like back in 2020, the Lakers bullied the Nugs because they were able to relentlessly throw bodies at the Joker and wear him down. This is what AD needs to do this series, but he's not going to have help. Not like he did back then. There is no Dwight Howard walking through that door to help rough up the big fella and use his six fouls. And by the way, the Joker now is not the Joker of 2020. He's so much better. He was good then. He's like otherworldly now. No, AD is not going to get that help. The onus is on AD. The Joker is going to get his. We know this. You just can't let him get all of his. You can't let this guy go for 30-plus and a triple-dub every single night. That happens. The Lakers have no chance. Make somebody else beat you. And I'm not saying they don't have other guys that can't beat you. They do. But make somebody else beat you. Let Jamal Murray prove that he, in fact, is back. So, AD, not to put more pressure on you because I don't know you like that, but the series is on you, AD. 
The moment is yours for the taking. All you have to do is outduel the best player on the planet right now. And as for your old pal LeBron, as great as LeCap is, and maybe the greatest of all time, the dude is 38. He's got to play the majority of the series up in the mountains, in that rarefied air, in that high altitude. It's going to be tougher for him to turn around and get his body right and get back right for the next game. Credit. He's been able to do it so far in the playoffs. But what he's done, despite what he says, is pick and choose his moments carefully and brilliantly. Again, I don't care what he says. He's been conserving his energy, and he should, but he's going to need every last ounce of it in this series. And he's going to have to play at his highest level and maybe do it for seven games just to get back to the NBA Finals. This is why I'm saying the next four are the toughest four. I guess what I'm saying is this. This is a long way of saying AD and LeBron's best probably do beat Denver's best. But those two have to bring their very best every single night for them to win because they have not dealt with anybody yet like the Nugs. And not just this postseason, but probably since the two of them came together in L.A. Once again, if you're things like, so Rome, what the hell is it? What are you saying? Right. The proverbial coin flip. It's that close. That tough to call. Or to quote a famous caller from New York, I can't call it, man. I can't call it, man. But I will before they tip. I'll bet the series. I will. I just haven't yet. That's how close it is. So what I'm looking for are both Laker fans and Nugget fans to get the hell up in here and call your shot before the tip. Just like I'm going to get down before they tip. Who you got? Does LeCap have one more ring in him? Or is Denver now the team to beat? Not just in this series, but overall. Every series in the playoffs, the Lakers have had a guy on the opposing team go brain dead or worse. Think about this. One last thought before I go to break. Clones, what do you want when you're craving protein or you need more energy? Not bars, not sugary snacks, not energy drinks. You want beef, pure and simple. Where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled, dry, tasteless. Old Trapper Beef Jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for its relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously and you can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Quality smoked meat at its finest. It goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? The Lakers have been great. I'm taking nothing away from them, but they have had some help, right? Every single series, they've had somebody go brain dead. A team or a guy or guys. For instance, in the play-in, way back when. I mean, doesn't that feel like eight months ago, the play-in? In the play-in with the T-Wolves, the T-Wolves had two guys go brain dead. Jaden McDaniel went fist to concrete and took an L. 
Rudy Gobert went fist to Kyle Anderson's face and took a seat from home. You had that. Then you had the Grizz. You had Victim Brooks. Not going to rehash all of that, but he was the original NBA dumb boy. I've heard of NBA young boy, but you NBA dumb boy. Kwame, if you need him. Then you had Golden State. Frankly, Jordan Poole chose the worst time to have his worst couple of games. The dude transformed from Jordan Poole, young up-and-comer, and future Splash Brother to Jordan Grotto, where the only things splashing around are dead rats. I just don't think that Denver is going to give the Lakers any advantage like that. They're too good. They're too deep. They're too well coached. And did I say they're too good? One last huge key. One more stat. Although I do expect this to be a long series, there is a damn good chance that we may actually know the winner after tonight of the series. Take this for data. LeBron, no, no, take this for data. LeBron has won 20 straight series. 20 when winning game one. That is an insane stat. In fact, LeBron is 29-2 overall when winning game one in his career. So, and especially at this age, you know how important that is to him. You know damn well he knows that. And the Lakers will do everything in their power to rip the first game and the home court. Just as you know damn well, the Nuggets are well aware of that stat. An amazing stat. 29-2 when he and they win the first game. So once again, who you got? Who you got? Discover credit cards do something pretty awesome. At the end of your first year, they automatically double all the cash back you've earned. That's right. Everything you have earned doubled. All the cash back from eating at your favorite restaurant doubled. All the cash back from that trip where you sort of learned to snowboard also doubled. And the best part, you don't have to do anything ridiculous to get it. Discover does it automatically. Seriously, though. See terms and check it out for yourself at discover.com slash match. We are joined via Zoom by Arthur Smith. Arthur, good to have you back. How are you? Great. How you doing, Jim? Good, good, good. So, generally speaking, you've got the draft behind you. OTAs are continuing. How are you feeling overall about how the draft went, and how do you feel about the upcoming season? Bring me up to date. Yeah, I mean, obviously, everybody's pretty optimistic post-draft, but we were, we're really excited about this class. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time, and sometimes you need a little bit of luck, catch a couple breaks, but uh, really, really optimistic about this class. We're, we just brought it in, you know, on top of the – the first two, 21 and 22, uh, we've had a really busy free agency. And and so right now, as we're going through phase two, we're getting OTAs, guys get more time spend around each other, uh, you know, as we, we continue to adapt some of the scheme stuff. And we're excited about this season and open up with Carolina. Arthur Smith joining us. You had a really busy uh, free agency work a bit of work as well that I want to get to but you talk about the class Arthur what about Bijan Robinson like I want to be objective but I love the guy I love the guy as a player I love the way he handles himself off the field obviously you felt the same way given where you selected him what convinced you that the Longhorn running back was worthy of a top 10 pick yeah he's a dynamic football player and you know the way the game is being played and certainly the way we play offense 
Uh, we use our, our players all over the place and he's got a unique skill set, you know, that lets him as a running back. And certainly he, he's in, one that Doak Walker, you know, is running the football as, as you're showing right now, but there's other things he can do out in space. Um, a unique guy that can put the ball in the end zone and you can't have enough guys like that. And we have guys that we consider tight ends or, you know, that, that really can play all over the place, whether they play, you know, inside in the core and the slot or into the field. So we feel really good about the versatility. Uh, we know we're not traditional, but we feel really good about the offensive uh, skill players we have. Arthur Smith joining us. A lot of offensive skill players. And you got a quarterback in Desmond Ritter, who was a third-round draft pick last year. He started the last four games of last season. What did he show you in those four games? And then specifically, what are you looking for him to improve upon this season? Yeah, so the way it worked out and uh, the way the season ended, it was good that Des got in there. Uh, there was meaningful games and, you know, put them right into the fire. I mean, they're going down to New Orleans. I, I don't care what the records are. That's a tough place to play with a against a really good veteran defense and up in Baltimore, right, in, in the snow, and then obviously finishing the year out at home against Arizona, Arizona and Tampa. He got better every week. And at, at the end of the day, there's a lot of things you can do on first and second down to to pad certain stats, you can, you know, take some of these advantage throws that maybe you and I may be able to, you know, give a jet sweep, get a completion that way or whatever. But ultimately, you're going to have to win on third down and in the red zone on critical downs in two minutes. And I think he's got that ability to do that. He showed that. It's a four-game sample size. You go back to his history at Cincinnati. And and he obviously changed, along with others, changed the, the trajectory of that program with Luke Fickle. And, and won a lot of football games. And he's done a good job since he's been here. Like all of us, there's a lot of things we, we can improve on. And we're excited. And we feel really good about where the O-line's at and everything else around them. So we're, we're very optimistic and excited going into the season. Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith, my guest. You mentioned how active you were in free agency. Seems to me it took some pretty big swings there. You got safety Jesse Banks. You got defensive end Clayus Campbell. You got edge rusher Bud Dupree. How excited are you about what those three bring to the team, both on and off the field? Yeah, they're, they're obviously really good players, but they're really good locker room fits for us. And, and and it's not just, you know, when you had guys like Bud and Calais and David Anyamata to go along with Grady Jarrett and we brought Lorenzo Carter back, did a nice job on a, on a one-year deal. we got some young guys that are developing, TQ Graham and Arnold Abicady and D'Angelo Malone. We feel really good, good about our depth. And, you know, it's, it's a long season. You know, you want to play 20 21 games, depending if you get a buy or not. I mean, that's what every team wants to do. So it's a long season, and we feel pretty good about the depth there. And then Jesse, you know, as an every-down player in the back end, uh, really, you know, made an investment in our secondary, picked up the fifth-year option, A.J. Terrell, made a, made a move for Jeff Okuda, uh, signed Mike Hughes, you know, with this draft class and bringing DeMarco Helms in here. And uh, Clark Phillips, I mean, we feel good about the depth, and you had it with Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins, and, and there's other guys that will compete. We feel good about the secondary. I mean, I think you need depth. I mean, it's such a long journey, and uh, you can't let one injury, you know, tank your whole season. Arthur Smith joining me for a few more moments. What about the schedule? It dropped on Thursday, so you've had some time to live with that, digest it. What stands out to you about the schedule? What are your overall thoughts? Yeah, you know, it's – it's always exciting. You know who you're going to play, but when the, you know, the order and the, the way they, they set up a travel can certainly affect, you know, maybe some of your strategy early year or late in the year. Um, you know, it's pretty clean for us. I and mean, we're excited about going over to London in week four. Uh, we had a great experience two years ago. 
And we're excited about playing that game again. And then the way it falls. And, you know, a lot of times people make, I mean, there's, it's great for our industry, you know, Jim, you know, there's a lot made of it, schedule strength. I mean, things change so so quickly year to year in the NFL and what looks strong on paper right now. I mean, they, they may get a run on the injury bug and that team may look a little different. There's other teams that come from nowhere. That's the beauty of the National Football League. It's the most competitive league in all pro sports. And it won't look the same, I promise you, as we go back and you look on the 23 season, what it looked like now, strength of schedule, that's usually not the way it looks at the end of the year because people, there are going to be some surprises. So, Arthur, one last thought. I want to ask you about your second-round pick, or, yeah, it was your second-round pick, Matthew Bergeron. Grew up in Quebec, multi-sports star, played hockey really well, didn't play football until he was 12. What do you like best about him, and what are his chances to contribute quickly? Yeah, we good. You know, we feel good about the O-line depth, uh, but obviously with, with Matthew, you know, moving him in inside, I mean, he did a little bit of the senior bowl. You know, had success with other players that made that move. Um We'll certainly do the same thing with Javon Gwen, working him a little bit at center too. But Matthew, you know, it's it's interesting, Jim, because there's a lot of that, that pipeline from Canada. Uh, a lot of good NBA players are, are coming out of Canada. Matthew's a unique story. Obviously, we got David Anyamata, who's uh, spent time there too. Um, and we didn't get David right out of right out of college, but you know, there it, you see it a lot, a lot around around professional sports. Right, uh, there's a lot of great Canadian players. Guys, keep yourself tight and feeling confident with new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant, reformulated with 72-hour sweat and odor protection and one-quarter moisturizing cream. Stop worrying about your underarms so you can be present for the moments that matter. Do not let underarm insecurities keep you at arm's distance from the ones you care about. Buy new and improved Dove Men Plus Care Antiperspirant with 72-hour sweat and odor protection wherever personal care products are sold. In the least surprising news of all time, Woj did tweet this morning, quote, breaking the 76ers dismissed Coach Doc Rivers on Tuesday, sources tell ESPN. Rivers led the Sixers to the Eastern Conference semifinals in each of his three seasons on the job. Now, that is true. He did lead them to the conference semifinals the last three seasons, but he did not lead them out of the conference semifinals in any of those seasons. And this season, he led them to choking and dying and blowing a 3-2 lead and getting destroyed in Game 7 on Sunday in Boston, a game that, once again, they actually were tied in. At 55, no less. So apparently losing 10 Game 7s is the threshold. There's your limit. 10 Game 7s is going to get you fired. 10 Game 7s is a bridge too far. You can lose nine and keep your job, but number 10 is going to get you broken off. Or maybe it was the seventh time that he's had a 3-2 or better series lead and lost that series that cost him his job. Or maybe it was his NBA record 30-second loss in a closeout playoff game. It's honestly hard to tell exactly what got him fired. It's honestly hard to tell what the main culprit was because there are so many culprits. And it's also really hard to argue that this dude got a raw deal. In fact, it's impossible to argue that. Don't get me wrong. He had plenty of help in this Philly failure. I covered it yesterday. Lots of blame to go around. No wrong direction in which to point your finger. Doc has one of the worst 
high leverage resumes in the history of the association, and it just got worse. So I get it. Everybody gets why this dude just got axed. But given the list of his potential replacements, you have to wonder exactly what you do need to do to actually keep a job as the NBA head coach. Look at this. Mike Budenholzer, Monty Williams, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel. It's like a who's who of who's been the best coaches in the NBA over the last few seasons, and somehow none of them have a job. Think about Doc. I don't think anybody's going to confuse Doc with being one of the best coaches in the NBA. He's had a nice career. He's a nice coach. Except for in, again, high-pressure, high-leverage spots. Then he's not a nice coach who's had a nice career. He's actually one of the worst coaches in those spots, if not the worst. A dude that Phil Jackson once famously clowned for teaching his dudes how to lose. Phil Jackson on Doc Rivers. They've lost more games in the fourth quarter than anybody in the NBA. They're showing it to us right now. It's an incredible statement. And he said it, by the way, in a, quote, high leverage, high pressure situation. A dude who has blown more series and lost more closeout games than any coach ever. Now, I like Doc. I've always liked Doc. So I'm going to look at the bright side. The bright side for Doc is that it's just a step to success. This is not failure at all. It's not a failure. It's steps to success. There's no failure in sports. So you're good, Doc. The Sixers season was not any more of a failure than the Bucks season. Just ask Giannis or Troel. Like someone said, um, it was not a failure, you know, steps to success. Um, Man, wouldn't that be a great industry to be in where you can't fail? There is no such thing as failure. No failure in sports. Only steps to success. I would say, you know, if you fall down, get the hell back up. But you don't fall down. You fall forward. You fall up. No failure in sports. Only steps to success and brutal head coach firings. Because everybody knows the road to success in the association is stained with the blood of sawed-off head coaches. I just hope that after he's done packing up his office, Doc does not forget to thank the beard on the way out for that incredible ringing endorsement on Sunday. And I'm sure this has nothing to do with it. I'm sure them having to re-sign the beard has nothing to do with Doc already getting sawed off. How has your relationship been with Doc, and would you like to see him back? Uh, I mean, I don't our relationship is okay. When you answer a question like that by saying, uh, 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 uh relationships, uh, 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 okay. Is that not coach where I hate the guy? Uh, wait, no way. He's not coming back after that ringing endorsement? Uh, when they need to re sign Larden? 
So, again, if you've been on social media at all in the last 24 hours or 12 hours, odds are pretty good that you saw the strange and now super viral Aaron Judge seventh inning AB in Toronto last night. You know, the one where Judge got caught making that sideways eyeballs emoji at his own dugout, not only in the middle of an at-bat, but seemingly in the middle of a pitch, only to proceed to blast a 462-foot bomb to center field that I think is probably still flying through the atmosphere right now. If you missed it, somehow, here is the A-B. Here's how it sounded on Blue Jays TV last night. All right, Buck, so you and I looked at each other at the same moment right when we saw this three pitches ago. Watch what he's looking at. What is that? Where is he looking? Where is he looking? And he did it more than once. Yeah, Yeah. it's really, really unusual. But you and I both looked at each other when we saw that. Did you see what I saw? And you don't want to go, you know, throwing allegations around without knowing, but no. And you know what? Yeah, I I have had guys look back when I was catching, and and you obviously could see it. And he he couldn't see the catcher with the way he was looking right there. Yeah, just did it again. And he pummeled it. He hit it a country mile for his second home run of the night. That is such awesome sound. Where do I even start? And he did it again, and he pummeled it. The timeless, classic quote, you don't want to go throwing allegations around without knowing. You know what I always say? Whenever somebody says, you don't want to go around or you don't want to go throwing allegations around without knowing, somebody is about to start throwing allegations around without knowing. You know, throwing allegations around without knowing. But But let me go ahead and suggest something is up without having any idea what's really happening. I mean, that's pretty much the tone of that broadcast, right? Very accusatory. And then the internet picked up on that tone. And now you've got an angry mob on social media calling Judge a cheater. You're not going to hear me do the same thing. I'm not going to fall in line, follow suit, go all hot take factory, turn it into the Mount Rushmore of cheaters. And you know what? Yeah, I, I have had guys look back. When I was- I'm not doing that. If you think this is the part of the take where I get all bent and I get all indignant, and I get all outraged, and I join the hot takers and the screamers, and I call the reigning AL MVP a dirty cheat, and I call the Yankees a bunch of scumbags. You got the wrong guy. You got the wrong show. Think again. It's not because I love the Yankees either. It's because there's absolutely no evidence that the dude or the team did anything wrong here, or at least anything illegal. Anything against the actual rules of the game. It's not against the rules to make the sideways eyeballs emoji toward your own dugout from the batter's box. Believe it or not, that's not breaking a rule. It's actually pretty impressive to be able to peek anywhere else other than at the pitcher and the thrown ball. It's pretty impressive to be looking anywhere else, essentially in the middle of a windup and then lock back in, and then turn that ball around 460 feet. I'd even say that it's even impressive, 
even if you knew which pitch was coming. A little easier. Otherwise, he wouldn't be looking in the dugout in the first place, right? I mean, you know what? Yeah, I, I have had guys look back. Now, I would say that I believe if you told me that he did know what pitch was coming. But that still doesn't even mean that he or anybody else cheated or did anything wrong. Even if they did know what pitch was coming because stealing signs is part of the game, folks. And listen, hear me out. It's not only part of the game. It's not against the rules unless you're doing it electronically and you're over the line. But if you're picking up tipped pitches or you're stealing signs because of tendencies, follow me on this, that's part of the game. If you're using electronic devices, that's not part of the game. So judge going eyeball emoji and then blasting a jack is not proof of anything nefarious, nor is it anything to get all bent and butthurt about. It's gamesmanship. It's part of the game. In fact, it's pretty hilarious. Even funnier than him doing that and it working is his attempt at an explanation of what it was after the game. Hilarious because of how utterly absurd and unbelievable it is. And not unbelievable as in, oh my gosh, that's incredible. That's awesome. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Unbelievable in that I don't believe the crap that he was slinging afterwards. Now, to be clear on this, again, I'm not calling this dude a cheater, but I am definitely calling BS on his explanation for what he was doing. To me, the explanation is way more absurd than making the eyeball emoji at the dugout in the middle of an at-bat and then blasting a dong for 62. To me, this explanation is one of the dumber things I've ever heard in baseball, and I've heard a lot of really dumb things in baseball. Check this out. When asked, well, well, dude, what were you doing? I mean, clearly, we caught you looking into the dugout in the middle of an at-bat, Aaron. What was that all about? Was there anything going on there as far as uh, what, where you were looking during that time? For what? Um, right before you hit your second home run in the game. Oh. Yeah, it was kind of a lot of chirping from our, our dugout, which... I really didn't like in the situation where it's a 6 nothing game and I know Booney got tossed. Like, I was trying to save Booney by calling timeout. Like, hey, hey hold up here. Like, let me let me work here. So I was kind of trying to see who was who was chirping in the dugout. So it's 6 nothing. Like, let's, Booney got tossed. Let's, let's go to work now. I mean, if you want to say to me, hey, Rome, what was he supposed to say? Fair. There is no good answer. But that is like the dumbest answer. Hey, 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 guys, guys, keep it down. I'm trying to work here. Hey, 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 guys, stop chirping. We have a big lead. What the hell are you talking about, Aaron? I like also when the question came up and the reporter asked him, he says, for when? For when? To which my response is, for real? For when? Listen, Aaron Judge is incredible. Aaron Judge is one of the greatest power hitters I've ever seen in my life. No one's ever going to accuse this guy of having the greatest personality ever, being the most riveting personality ever. 
This guy, well, the explanation for that, and again, I don't think he did anything wrong, except give me that answer. The answer was you were trying to quiet your own dugout. You were trying to figure out who was chirping in the middle of an at-bat. I want to know who's making all that noise. Like, like, who is that? In the middle of a pitch? For what? I mean, come on, man. Get out of here with that crap. Hey, 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 dugout, stop chirping. Hey, 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 get off the top step. Not cool. Not with a big lead. Hey, 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 Skip's going to get run. Whoa. Hey, hey, what? He was looking to limit the chirp. How? In the middle of an at-bat by shooting the dugout the look? I mean, come on, dude. That is a first ballot all-time Lame explanation. Have you ever heard of a hitter on any level of baseball ever trying to quiet their own dugout? Ever. If anything, it's like, yo, dugout. Yo, dugout. Top step, y'all. Make some noise. I am 100% positive I've never seen or heard of a hitter trying to quiet his own dugout. Hey, 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 quiet. You might rattle the opposing pitcher. Hey, 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 shut up. Hey. Shut up. You're affecting the other guy's concentration. Again, if you're going to say to me, what was he supposed to say, Rome? I would say, I don't know, anything but that. I was trying to protect Skip from getting run. I'm trying to do work here. Hey, man, be respectful. We're up six runs. Do we look that stupid? Again, I'm not saying I know exactly what was going on here. I'm just saying I don't believe that explanation because that explanation does not make any sense at all. It's not quite a Garrett Cole-level cringe, but it's not that far off. Um, I don't... I don't know. I, I, I don't know if... Yeah, it's uh, kind of a lot of chirping from I don't our... Quite, I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Which, um, I really didn't like in the situation where it's a 6 nothing game. I, mean, I know Booney got tossed. Like, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from like, let me, let me older work players here. to younger so, players from the last generation kind of players. Who was chirping the dugout? I mean, starting with that painful attempt at acting like he didn't even know what the journal was going for when he asked him. When he said, quote, uh, for when? For when? What, what are you talking about? Dude, you know when. You know exactly when. when. That time when you were shadily peeking into the dugout from the batter's box and then proceeded to hit a 5,000-foot home run. That's for when. when. For when. Not exactly everyday stuff. Eh, even for somebody as good as you, dude. Even for somebody as good as you, Babe Ruth. I mean, you're looking into the dugout mid-pitch, and then you hit one 460? And then they ask you about that, and you're like, for when? For when? Easy, Tom Cruise. Dude, you're not exactly Tom Cruise or Matt Damon when it comes to acting chops. Dude is damn near the best power hitter I think I've ever seen. But that was one of the worst explanations I've ever heard. You know what was so awesome, too? I don't know if you picked up on this. How could you not? But the earth, wind, and fire dropping at the perfect moment in the background did not help any of this come across as any more sincere either. But I guess it was worth the try.
hey, man, let's, let's pick our guy up. Let's drop some earth, wind, and fire in there. You know, make it seem more credible, more believable, or at least get them off the scent. I mean, worth a try, right? Maybe the Garrett Cole spider attack explanation would have come off a little bit better if somebody dropped a little earth, wind, and fire underneath that. And have you ever used spider attack while pitching? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if. Uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer. No, this I totally honest. believe the guy now. Um, oh, why didn't you just say so, Garrett? Get the hell off Garrett. What more does he have to say? He explained himself perfectly. Get off this guy. What don't you get? I, I've never been as sure of anything as I am that Garrett doesn't even know what spider attack is after hearing that. Yeah, no. Still excruciating and cringy as hell. Hey, Yankees. If you're going to keep riding the line of the rule book, you might want to clean up the PR side of things. Maybe come up with an answer or two. How does somebody not feed Aaron Judge something better than that? That's the best thing you could come up with? When you knew the second he stepped off, the second he got into the clubhouse, the questions were going to start. How do you not give that guy something better to work with than I was trying to limit the chirping? Hey, hey, y'all, I'm trying to get some work done here. Maybe come up, and Garrett Cole, too. Maybe help that guy out a little bit. A Maybe come up our... with an answer or two that aren't incredibly sketch, um, incredibly suspicious, incredibly incoherent, especially coming from those two dudes who are making a combined 684 mil to rep your fancy pinstripes. Again, I don't think the judge or the Yankees were cheating. The real smart, you know, the real sharps will say, all right, Rome, still, there's a right way and a wrong way to not cheat. There's that whole thing, too, you know? Like, if you're on second base and you're ripping signs from the catcher, you can't be that blatant. Someone's going to get one in the ear hole. You know, if you want to take the conversation there, fine, whatever. I'm just saying, I don't really think they cheated. I don't think Judge did. I don't think the Yankees did. I just think they were the kings of the awkward and terrible explanation afterwards. Man, they are the kings of that, man. When it comes to a dynasty, they're the dynasty of that. The dynasty of cringe. The dynasty of awkward explanations. I don't think the judge cheated. But I think that what he told us afterwards was total BS. What I'm saying is, I don't think he cheated, but I think that he lied. You were looking over there, mid-pitch, to limit the chirp. Oh, okay, Aaron. I really didn't like in the situation where it's a 6 nothing game, and I know Booney got tossed. Like, what do you mean you didn't like that? What, they were showing up the opposition by chirping with a six-run lead? Has anybody in the history of baseball ever heard that argument? Come on, man. Ricky is going to be... If the Sixers hire Steve Nash, he'll be totally pissed. Sir, in all honesty, it was ridiculous. Man, think how mad he'll be. Think how mad he'll be if Steve Nash gets any of these jobs over him. Totally ridiculous, Rome. 
All right, let's go to Oxnard. Manny in Oxnard, you are first up on this Tuesday. Manny, what's going on? Muchisimas gracias for the line. Buenos dias, Van Smack. Welcome back from Wisco, brother. Hey, how proud you must be to be Jake's dad. Congratulations to you and the family, though, for, for real. I'm sure Jake Rome will have plenty of story time tales when he takes over for you someday in the jungle. Hey, Romy, Jim and Fall Rivers call, man. You brought up, you brought that up, man. And it's such a memory. I started laughing out loud for real. I mean, for him to finish that call with two donkeys getting it on in the background was epic. Hey, Rome, uh, if you will allow me, man, I must take a shot at two clones in particular. First off, hey, Wells in the 360, why do you always have to crack on me on Twitter, man? Didn't your dumbass learn not to poke a bear, or in this case, me? You have never, and I mean ever, been considered a legendary caller to this year jungle. Stay on Twitter where you belong. Hey, Ben Smack, I hate to crack on the defending Smack-Off champ, man. Well, no, I don't. Man, I'm on a Caleb. The other day you made a mistake of posting some personal crap on Twitter, bro, for, Mo- for Mother's Day of all things. Pics of you when you were young, before you blew up and got fat, and you mentioned how at 37 years of age your mom still asks you if you, quote, want to go potty. Really, Caleb? That's freaking whack, bro. Hey, lastly, Rome, nobody, and I mean nobody, who are so-called sports experts, gave the Lakers any chance to take down the Warriors. Dare I say they poked at the king and his court of teammates. Damn right they did. The Western Conference Finals is a repeat of 2020, Rome, and the Lakers are way better than that team from the bubble. This team, Rob, no longer Pastinka, made those brilliant trades, man, and they are playing some swarming defense, and Lakers fans for a long time know defense and rebounds wins chips. Lakers in six, maybe even five, albeit game three, live and in living color, tweeting and watching the game while the Lakers are kicking their ass. Hey, Rome, since me and the fee went all Pee Wee Herman yesterday and lost his golden ticket, I'd like to snatch it. Rack me, I'm out. Manny and Oxnard. All right, so I've got thoughts. The host has thoughts. Here's the thing. I want you to rack that call. Rack this him. is part of a multifaceted response. I want you to rack that call, but not give Manny the golden ticket he asked for. Branson in Toledo. Branson, great to have you. What's up? Hey, what's up, Jim? How you doing, man? Good, dude. How about you? Good, good. Well, listen, this is a long overdue declaration to the uh, Gary eating lard asses up in Wisconsin. Not you, Jim. Not you, Jim. But uh, the bad man is gone. The hippie who loved choking in the playoffs and tripping on shrooms during games, well, he's left the NFC North. You might be wondering, well, who's going to run the show now? Who's going to dominate Midwestern football? Who's going to dominate the NFC North? The answer is simple. Justin Skyler Fields. The very man who accused our beloved radio host of not working out, the man who carried us last year despite zero talent around him. Packers fans, you really think Jordan Love is going to continue the decades of excellent quarterback play you've had? No, no, you're kidding yourself. Packers fans, this is a warning. You cheese-curd, scarfing, battery-chucking losers. 
get used to shutting the boob tube down early on Sundays and going to Fleet Farm because the old bears are back. Bear down. I'm out. Love it. Rack this dude. I don't agree with it, but I love it. Come on, that's my surrogate fam that you're cracking on. Dairy-eating lard asses. But not you, Jim. Casey, what's up, bud? Yo, congrats again, G. Man, you had a pretty sweet summer breeding four-legged champions and graduating two-legged students. It's all good in the Rome household, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, dude. Being an NBA coach and being fairly successful, you're like an endangered species. Well, these dudes are all extinct. I mean, you know what? But getting paid to actually leave is not really a bad thing. Dude, I want that gig. How can I be down? Oh, in fact, me and Ricky. Okay, you hire Ricky, NBA teams, as the head coach, and I'll be the assistant. And three years from now, you can fire us both and pay us off. That's what I'm talking about. Sign me up for that gig. And yo, 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 Warrior fan, get back in your lane. All right, let me give you a little bit of history. You paid, played the Lakers nine times in the NBA playoffs, and you won once back in 1967. And I was three years old, and most of you lame brains from no call weren't even born. You will forever be the Lakers bitch. And if you ever dreamed you could beat the Lakers in the playoffs, you had better wake up and apologize. So you all get back in your dirty Tesla that you never wash and go back to your farms and keep giving us your water because that's what you're good for. And, by the way, I'm going to use your own word on you. Every time you play the Lakers in the playoffs, you get a hella ass whooping. Yo, John Morant, dude, is either crazy or stupid, or in fact, he's stupid crazy. I thought if you, I say if you look up ignoramus in the dictionary, you will see a picture of John Morant holding a gat. I think Memphis should just break him off, too, and just move on and turn this into Desmond Bain's team. It looks like that dude is never going to learn. All right, dude, I got to get out. I will see you next month, you know, in that thing you do, uh, peace in the Middle East. Rock him. Casey in L.A., still with a golden ticket. Rock him. And still in the field. My man, speaking of pipe, I've always said this about Casey. If I had his voice, I would have gotten the Hall of Fame probably 15 years earlier as I'm waiting for the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. We go to Washington. Jim in Washington. It's great to have you, Jim. What's up? How are you? Very, very good. And this is a sad time for me each year because we've reached that point in the NHL postseason, known as the Stanley Cup playoffs, when there are no more Canadian teams left in the playoffs, even though it's Canadian fans that, for the most part, play the sport and get enthusiastic about the sport. We gringos have kind of ripped it away from them, put teams in the Sun Belt, changed the names of the conferences because we don't know Campbell from Wales, and yet they are the people who really watch it and love it, and here we are with weeks left to go in the playoffs, and now we know one thing, a U.S team is going to raise the cup and share it among all the teammates with their own individual take-home days all year with hopefully some 
exciting videos of some of the take-homes. So it's kind of sad to me when we when we get to this point because I know they're not going to win, perhaps, but just as we had Montreal in 1993 when Patrick Waugh beat Wayne Gretzky, who had just migrated from the Oilers to the Kings, it'd be great to have a team from Canada at least in the finals, even if they don't win. I hear you, Jim. Thank you very much. That is sad. Or, or as it is getting a little dusty up in here. It is sad. Or it would be if we didn't see a playout like this every single year for decades. Nicobe Dean joins me once again. Nicobe, good to have you back. How are you? Yeah, how you doing? I'm I'm good. I'm great. Glad to be here. It's great to have you here. So bring me up to date because you went deep into the postseason. That made for a shorter offseason, although I'm guessing yeah. you'll take that trade off every single time. That said, how did you approach the offseason? Yeah. What did you get into? What did you do? Well, I went back to school. Um, the semester started early January. Um, after that, you know, I, I wasn't able to get into classes until uh, mid-February after the Super Bowl, of course, but I went back to school. So I was just at school back at, around in Georgia, just training, um, just getting my body right, you know, preparing mentally and physically and spiritually for the next season. Well, man, that's really something else. Not only did you go back to school, you went back to school to work on your degree towards mechanical engineering, no less. Why is yeah. that so important to you? Uh, education is important. You know, I feel like I embodied, um, growing up, I took pride in being a student athlete, um, proving to, for trying to prove to people that I was more than just an athlete. Uh, I was way more than that. So it's like, I kind of take pride in the whole idea of, um, education and holding education to a high standard as my mama and everybody taught me growing up, you know, education, she always told me my mind take me farther than my feet. So, you know, education has always been, you know, uh, prevalent in my life. Oh, dude, I love that line. My mind will take me farther than my feet. Good on you, Nicobe Dean, joining us. You know, when you consider that you ended your college career playing for a Georgia team that won 14 games and in Natty, yeah. then you start your pro career by winning 14 more in the regular season, then you go to the Super Bowl. I mean, does it all seem kind of wild and kind of surreal? Or when you consider the work that you've put in and the type of player you are, does it all seem just kind of pretty normal? Uh. I I would say that you can almost normalize it, but you try not to because, you know, you, the position that I'm in, you know, how blessed I am to be in, in the position that I am in and have things that have did the things that I have done as far as in college and the NFL, everything I experienced. So I'm, I'm just blessed. So you try to take everything for what it is. You don't try to normalize it or downplay it. But, you know, it kind of can get normalized in your mind just – because you want to be the winner, you want to be on top, you want to be the, uh, the best uh, ever in everything you do. So it, it, you hold yourself to that standard. Nicobe Dean joining us. Let me ask you this. Did playing in the national championship game prepare you mentally and emotionally for the Super Bowl and appearing on the biggest stage in all of sports? Or is that just a totally different deal altogether? <laughs> it's definitely an upgrade. It's definitely an upgraded uh, an upgraded some that's highly upgraded from uh, college sports, but just being able to experience the the highest point of 
college football and the highest point of NFL football or football period um, is just, you know, just a blessing. So it, it definitely was a step up, but just being able to experience that, it's like there's nothing else as far as football that you can experience is better than that other than winning the Super Bowl. Kobe Dean's joining us now. As mentioned, you're a proud Georgia Bulldog. It seems like your GM there, Howie Roseman, values your alma mater as much as you do. He keeps taking Bulldogs. Let me ask you about yeah. Nolan Smith. He, You attended his draft party mm -hmm. in the ATL. You got to celebrate with him. Since he had to wait until the 30th pick to hear his name called, what were you telling him throughout that first round? And then what was the entire night like? Uh, the night was great. You know, being able to see – uh him and Jalen come get picked to go to the Eagles it, it was great but you know just seeing like how the night go you know uh, the draft can be crazy as I know the draft can be crazy and you just don't you know, never know what's going on so I you know just keep telling the kids keep faith and if you come to if you be at 30 we take you that's kind of how I felt you know I had to send Howie a little uh go dogs uh definitely with him being a Florida guy so uh I felt like he was I mean I don't feel like he he liked it, like the Georgia Bulldogs. I just feel like it was the best available players at the time. Nicobe Dean joining us. That makes sense. I mean, obviously, when you got a program like that that's having that kind of success, there are going to be some good players available. You know, you've had some time to kind of self-scout, yeah. reflect on your first season. Looking back, where do you think you excelled, and then where are you looking to get better? Uh, I said, and learning. You know, learning, taking that step back, and just being, just soaking everything in. Soaking everything in, being a student of the game, uh, trying to just learn everything from the fundamentals uh, to to all the set savvy vet things. Try to just learn it over and just soak everything in. And I'm, I'm gonna use all that to to make sure that I be the best version of myself in in the next coming season and the rest of my career. And listen, I understand, like, bigger, stronger, faster, and certainly the game is faster. Everything's much quicker. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest adjustment, though, you have to make from the college game to the NFL game? Uh, the, 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 the mental, the mental uh, adjustment as far as it's a business now. It's a business now, production-based business. And um, people doing this for a life, you know, it's not, just a, it's not just a game anymore. It's a job. So just being able to differentiate that and know that you gotta put in you gotta put in as much work off the field in the fan room as you are are you as you are doing on the field on the field at practice and working out. I think that's well said. It is a business. It is a job. There is a bottom line. Nicobe yeah. Dean's joining us now. Clearly, it is all that, but giving back is a priority for you. What can you tell us about the free football camp you have coming up next month? And I want to ask you about the food drop giveaways that you were involved with throughout last season. And you have one planned for today, too, right? Right, I do. Right after this, I'm, I'm going to head up uh, to, like, well, I think North Northeast Philly and, and at a Boys and Girls Club out there. And I'm going to just do a food drop. You know, I grew up in the Boys and Girls Club. So being able to just – Give back when I see those kids, I see myself. And I, and I remember uh, we used to get food on weekends uh, at our boys and girls club. So just being able to just give back to the kids and being able to just instill a little gem in them, uh, telling them they can do whatever they want, you know? So it's like, and tell them that I've been in those seat they spot before, you know, uh, no matter what they going through, uh, I've been in the boys and girls club. And as far as my football camp that I'm throwing this summer, is gonna actually be, be in the boys and girls club that I grew up at. Hey, Kobe, what's that feel like 
to be in a position right now where you can get back. I mean, it's one thing to want to be able to, but that doesn't mean you have the means to do so. What does it feel like to be able to give right. back? Yeah, it's, it's a blessed feeling. It's a blessed feeling uh, to be able to give back and I feel like pour myself into other people. You know, not just the youth, but anybody who uh, who just needs uplifting, uh, who needs motivation or or anything in this world. You know, I feel like growing up, my mama instilled just giving back and and being and treating people good, no matter who they is, no matter what they what their status are, or just treating them good. So giving back just kind of been a part of me since I since I was a kid. So one last thought, and that's great to hear. One last thought. What's it like when you get to the Super Bowl? You know, it used to be, you don't hear this as much before, but there's this weird thing about getting to a Super Bowl and losing the Super Bowl, and that you're not the second best team in the league, but you're like one of the worst. Like, it's it's like all backwards. Like, it's just wrong. You don't hear that so much, but I'm curious, what's it like to get, to pay that price, to get that far, come up just short? What does that do to your motivational level and your fuel? What's that feel like, and how does that fuel you going forward to come that close? Yeah, it, it, for me, it, it fueled me to a, a big level, and I feel like it fueled a lot of guys on our team to a big level. You know, we the Eagles, we got a lot of guys on our team that play with chips on our chips on their shoulder. You know, uh, starting with our quarterback. You know, he got one of the, big, the biggest chips on his shoulder that I know. So uh, we play with a lot of chips on our shoulder. So being able to make it to the to the Super Bowl and, and those guys that were there last year and not be able to finish the job, it just makes the chips on our shoulder grow. You know, it, it makes us hungrier to get back to it and actually finish the job. You know, one last thought, you mentioned your quarterback, Jalen Hurts. I don't know that I've ever seen a dude with an arc, like a career arc like this guy. Like I could go on for hours about how impressed I am with him, his grind, his drive, his work ethic, his ability to leave. Uh, lead. A guy like that, does he have an impact not just on the offense, but literally all three units right. and the entire building does he have that kind of impact definitely definitely when you see a guy like that who, who do the right things and and how how he do it with humility and how humble he is but how he just takes control of the whole building for the whole organization as a whole with his just personality and it, it just it's just great you know you want to it seems like you want to follow a guy like that who's able to lead the way he lead and just knowing what he has been through and where he at now I'm always amazed. I think it's one thing when you have a room or a building full of alphas and you've got that one alpha that the other alphas follow, like that's an amazing thing. It seems to me it's more than just a job if you're that guy. It's a lifestyle, right? You have to live a certain way, not just work a certain way. Am I right? Definitely, 100%. It should be a lifestyle for those who want to be great in this league. It got to be a lifestyle for you. He's a linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles. They are opening up their season against the Patriots on September 10th. Kobe, had to bring you back, man. We had so much fun the last time. I knew you'd show up like this. I appreciate you. Great to have you on the show. Have a great day, and I'll look for you again soon. Yeah. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me.